episode is going to be and I know I could just not say that and just talk but <laughs> I'm just letting you know up front this this might I think I'm gonna just I think I'm going to just share my thoughts today so I'm probably going to cover a few topics today and then I'll name it uh based on what I think is you know what I talk about most I don't know I may just name it random thoughts. But anyway, uh, so how are you guys doing on this uh, 4th of July Eve? All right, tomorrow's the 4th of July. Uh, celebrating Independence Day, the day America got its freedom. Uh, the black people celebrated Juneteenth uh, last month. It's when black folk got their freedom, or at least the last of us got their freedom. I remember growing up when I was a kid, you know, uh, we used to celebrate Juneteenth, but I never knew what it was, to be honest. And I don't think, I really don't think that uh, my family, like my mom and my dad, I don't know if they knew why we was, <laughs> why we were celebrating Juneteenth. Uh, I just knew it was a holiday. Oh, okay. It wasn't until I got older that I realized it was the day that um, the Texas slaves, slaves in the South, got news that they were free after, um, I think, almost 18 months of slavery being abolished. So anyway, random facts, right? But uh, listen, so what's on my mind today? Let me tell you, I have a lot, but I'm not going to share everything on my mind, right? But um, let me, let me, talk about this real quick because someone sent me an email asking me about purpose. And so I said that I was going to teach on purpose again uh, in my class, but I said, Hey, you know, it'd be good to talk about on the podcast. So here's the thing about purpose or your life assignment, right? Uh, I believe, and I believe the Bible supports the idea that every human comes to the planet with a life assignment, not every assignment is the same. Not every assignment is um, realized, right? Some people don't, some people do not discover what their assignment is. Some people are not even interested. I believe the people who are not interested, um, actually, I guess I don't have an opinion about that because that would be too, what I was about to say would not, be accurate. So let me just, I'm not going to say that, but, but, but for you, you want to discover your purpose. You want to discover the reason why God put you on the planet. Why? Because life is just different. And I know when I say that, that's not a good description of why, but that's that, like, life is just different. I remember when 
Uh, God revealed to me what my purpose was. Life changed. Like uh, I went from not wanting to go back to school at all for a four-year degree to being open to going to school for up to eight years to get a doctorate degree. Now, I didn't get, get a doctorate degree, but my point is, when I discovered my purpose, my whole perspective on life changed. And uh, once I became a therapist, getting up in the mornings every day, it was different. I did. I, it wasn't the, oh, Lord, I got to get up and go on this job and I got to do this and I got to, you know, it wasn't the, 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 what we normally have in the mornings when it's time to get up and go to work, you know, the sluggish, the, you know, the hesitation, don't want to get out of bed, don't want to face my day. Uh, I have, I've probably had more of those days lately, but when I first discovered my purpose, that was not the case. And the only reason that it is that way lately is it's not because of my purpose. It's because of a lot of other things that's connected to my actual business, right? But but discovering your purpose is an amazing thing. Uh, when you live a life on purpose, you you are sure to leave your stamp on society to say that I was here. You know, how sometimes you go in, you know, in a restroom somewhere, at least as kids, I don't know if they, I'm sure they still do this, but, you know, you go in the restroom and it would say, you know, John was here or, or Jane and was here, whatever. Uh, when you live a life on purpose, it's like carving your name on a tree and saying Clifton was here, right? When I was, at, I remember I was at a funeral several years ago that probably was 2000 and four maybe but I was at a funeral and I I I begin to think what are people going to say about me when I'm gone like whose life will I have impacted other than mine and my children and so that put me on this quest to discover why I'm here and I know I told this story before about the lady that I dated and she broke up with me because I didn't know what my purpose was or whatever. But that put me on a journey. And so here's what I want to tell you. If you want to discover your purpose, I'm going to just tell you what, what, what Dr. Michael P. Williams told me. Find the thing that you would do for free. All right. Find the thing that you would do even if you were not getting paid for it or if, if money wasn't an object, like if you were rich, so money's not the goal, right? You still can use money, but money's not the goal. I'm not doing this just to get a paycheck. What would that thing be? When you, when you discover that and, and you match that with your skills, your talents, your proficiencies, the way you are bent, meaning, you know, um, the things that you lean toward, like if you're riding down the street and you always notice the homeless people before everybody else, that's a sign. Okay. If you always notice how a business can be doing something better and you have, like you just have seems like supernatural insight on the things they need to tweak and change, that's a sign. Right. So the thing that you would do for free and the thing that you're skilled at, look in those areas. And then if you want a third thing, Dr. Miles Monroe said, the problem that infuriates you the most is the problem you're called to solve. And so uh, using that, those parameters, you can, you, 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 and prayer, obviously, because the assignment comes from God. 
along with prayer. And I believe you'll be able to discover why you're on the planet. Everybody's not on the planet for something glamorous. Now, what do I mean by glamorous? What I mean, uh, I don't know if, if, if what I'm called to is glamorous or not, but it's definitely not uh, on the mission field in Africa. You, you know what I'm saying? So uh, for me, that wouldn't be attractive. But for someone else, they love that, right? Not everybody is going to uh, make millions based on their assignment. That's, you know, that's, that's not a guarantee. But I will say, if you, if you discover your assignment and you make up, the, make up your mind to serve the people who are a part of your assignment, good things will come to you. And some of those good things is money, right? Money, money, is, money is good. You, did you know that money is not inherently evil? People think money is inherently evil. And oftentimes they use the scripture, um, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. It really says the lust of money, the pornea. It's the word we get pornography from, right? The pornea of money, the lust of money is the root of all evil. And it says that it's the root of all evil, not that it, call, not that, you know what I'm saying? Not, not that it is all evil. And what that means is, at the root of everything wicked in the heart, money has a pathway to get you there. But that doesn't mean that money is bad. Does that make sense? If money was bad, then God, who is holy and established the whole system, would not have said um, that riches is a blessing from God. All through Proverbs, it talks about how, how you know, uh, wisdom says, riches are with me. If you use common sense and me, i.e. wisdom, you can have riches. Uh, I just read that today, as a matter of fact. Let me go to, um, so what I try to do, what I try to do is read Proverbs each day, corresponding with whatever the day is. I'll read that chapter. So today is Proverbs 3, because today is the third, right? And I think I read something in here, let me see. Uh, this is three. Don't lose common sense. Hang around your neck. Yep, yep, yep. Here we go. Here's what it says. This is Proverbs 3 and 13. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Here, now watch this. She offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. I think over in chapter six or seven, wisdom is talking, right? Solomon is He's writing from the perspective of wisdom and wisdom is saying, says the same thing that, you know, honor and riches and wealth belong to me. And wisdom says, I was there in the beginning when God laid the foundations of the world. So it's talking about God's wisdom, right? So when you walk in God's wisdom, the Bible says riches is, is your reward. So that to me, that says money can't be, money can't be uh, evil. As a matter of fact, 
the universal symbol for, 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 for money or wealth is gold. And uh, in the book of beginnings in Genesis, there was gold in the Garden of Eden. How crazy is that? Why is there gold there? There's no stores. There's only two people. There's nothing to buy and sell. I believe it's there symbolically because riches, wealth, is a spiritual concept, and it is on the planet specifically for the people of God. That's, that's what I believe, right? The first time the Bible mentions that anybody was rich, it was Abraham, the father of the faith. And it says that he was rich as in uh, cattle and land. He had stuff, not just rich in character, but he had stuff, right? And so I guess I'm saying that to, uh, number one, say, when you're walking in your assignment, you may or may not get riches. But more importantly, uh, don't let people trick you into thinking that having money is anti-God because it's not. Right? The Bible never said that money was anti-God. And even when it, over in, 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 in the New Testament, when it talks about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven, number one, it didn't say that it can't happen because when the disciples said, well, who can be saved? Jesus said, uh, with men is impossible, with God, all things are possible. So it's not saying that it's not possible, but you got to read that scripture in context. And the context is God is talking about pride and humility in that, in that text, right? And so that's when the rich young ruler comes. And right before that, he was talking about, you know, your heart. And so when the rich young ruler comes and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, you know, keep the law, you know, whatever. And, and the rich young ruler says, I did all that. Like, I'm, I'm perfect. So when, when he tells Jesus that he's perfect, Jesus then tests his perfection, which he failed. It was a test of his heart. And so he said, okay, well, why don't you sell all you have and come follow me? Give it to the poor, come follow me. That's a hard issue. That wasn't about money issue. That's not a prescription that God says for rich people, hey, give all you have and just follow Jesus broke. That's not, that was not the message he was communicating, right? That, that doesn't even line up with the rest of scripture. So, you know, that's a misinterpretation. But anyway, I'm not going deep into that. So, uh, you want to discover your purpose because if you, if when you read Ecclesiastes, so, so Solomon wrote Proverbs at the beginning of his life and he wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. Proverbs is when he was walking with God, right? And then there was a period in his life when he strayed away from God and went after all of these women with their, you know, their pagan religions or whatever. And then he came back to himself and repented and came back to God. And then he wrote Ecclesiastes. And the message of, Ecclesi of Ecclesiastes is this. The reason he says that everything is vanity, because if you live life on the planet just for the purpose of living life, or if you live life just for you, then you've wasted your life. That's, that's the whole purpose of Ecclesiastes. Like, don't live just for you. The reason that you have an assignment is so that you can be blessed, but more so, so you can be a blessing to somebody else. Yeah. God created, do you understand God created us as community creatures. When he said it's not good for man to be alone, um, Adam had a relationship with God and the animals. 
So he wasn't on the planet by himself, but he had no one to connect with at a deep level. He had no one to help him with because why did God say it's not good for man to be alone? I'm going to make him a sister. He didn't say that. It's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him some cousins. Didn't say that. As a matter of fact, it didn't even say it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to create for him a wife. That's not what it says. It says it's not good for a man to be alone. I will create for him a helper. A helper for what? To help him or so they can help each other, right? Subdue the earth, multiply, and live according to God's plans. The reason that there is business or the reason, let me say it this way, the reason that business is ordained by God because it is a way that we develop community. One person has a skill. You, you know, you're, you're, you're a carpenter. You have a skill. This person over here, they are baker and they have a skill. So the baker sells the carpenter bread and the carpenter sells the baker furniture, right? And you can just add all the different, um, you know, branches of work or whatever you want to add and we create community, So you have an assignment so that you can give to the community. And by giving to the community, you end up being blessed yourself. Yeah. But what holds us back from that? I talked about it. Was it last week? I believe it may have been last week. Uh, Mediocrity. Right? Mediocrity. Mediocrity is anti-God. Right? Money is not anti-God. But mediocrity is. Over in Revelation, when God addresses the church at Laodicea, he says, um, I wish that you were hot or cold. He said, I know your deeds. I wish that you were hot or cold. But because you are neither hot nor cold, like you, you, you're straddling the fence, you're in the middle, you're being average. You're being lukewarm. You make me want to spit you out of my mouth. You make me want to throw up. And then I think last week I read for you, um, I talked about Matthew 25. And that was so powerful for me. But the Bible called the average mediocre servant wicked and lazy. I, I don't want to be called wicked by God. And I definitely don't want to be called lazy. You're lazy if you settle for mediocrity. Why do people settle for mediocrity? Fear. You got to get to the place to where fear is no longer running your life. And that's probably the thing that I've been thinking about the most, if I'm real honest. The, the, the danger of living your life in fear. Like, when you live your life in fear, it does not just affect you. It affects the people around you. So you can't get your life together. So the people connected to you, they have to suffer. And if they say something to you, you want to get attitude. It's my life. It's, you know, I'm, I'm doing, okay. Well, then why don't you disconnect your life, your average mediocre life from the folk who want more than that and let them go and do what they do. You go and be your mediocre self and everybody's happy. 
But here's the problem. You're not going to be happy with mediocrity. As a matter of fact, if you're the mediocre person, you're probably with someone who does not have a mediocre mentality. And even though they are pushing you and making you uncomfortable, you don't want to let them go because you like the benefit that comes with not being with an average person, even though you're average. I call that selfish. <laughs> that's, that's selfish, right? Uh, the folk that I see, you know, doing marriage work. If you are lazy, as a matter of fact, I believe that there are some marriages where God could call the participants in the marriage wicked and lazy. Wicked and lazy. Why? Because you're not doing the work to have a marriage that glorifies God. You're too stuck in what you've learned and how you've always been and what you learned in childhood or what nobody taught you. And so you're in an adult relationship acting like a child. Now, sometimes we do that because we don't, we don't know any better. I look, <laughs> I've been married and a child. I, as a matter of fact, sometimes now I still visit there. I'm, I'm not proud of that, but, but, but I've been you know, immature in marriage. So I'm not judging you, but I'm saying you can't, you can't stay there. You got, you, you have to, now this is the gospel according to Clifton. I believe it's selfish. I believe you have to do something with your life when you've made a choice to connect your life intimately with somebody else. It just is, it's just unfair. Like, I don't have another word for it. And I know I'm the one that says, you know, fair don't live on this planet. True. Okay, so let me live another. Let me, let me find it. It's selfish. And I believe it's wicked and lazy. Wicked and lazy. Don't be wicked and lazy in your marriage. Do the work. Here's the problem. The problem of... Uh, so I have couples and and like they're working with me and I'm finding a common theme where one person is doing the work. The other person say they agree with the work. But in reality, when life happens, when marriage happens, they're, they're not doing the work because one person is constantly trying to implement the skills and the other person is still walking in emotional immaturity. So here's what I've discovered. No matter how much one of you grows, no matter how much one of you matures and develops, if the other person who is a part of the marriage does not make the choice to improve themselves, if they don't make the choice to communicate better, if they don't make the choice to be curious and ask questions, if they don't make the choice to, to, to learn how to initiate intimacy, if they don't learn how to listen, if they don't learn how not to be defensive, if they don't learn how not to be offended by everything they hear, y'all going to suffer. You can be the best husband or wife in the world. If they won't do their work, you are going to be frustrated. You are going to be frustrated because when you try to talk to 
your immature spouse at a mature level, they're going to hit you with the child, whatever, and, and it's going to throw things off. Then you're going to get frustrated and be like, you know what? I don't even want to talk. Well, now that doesn't solve anything. But what do you do? If talking produces no positive results, why keep doing that? I understand, right? I, I Couples come in and say, you know, um, I'm tired of communicating because when we communicate, nothing ever gets resolved. I would be tired too, right? They still get offended when I say such and such. They still can't hear my complaints. They still are trying to be perfect. I would be frustrated too. Right. You got to do the work. Look, marriage is two sided. I I met a guy on on Instagram once. And he was he was a uh, he was a coach, but he was coaching. His specialty was men. And he was telling men, uh, basically, I can help you turn your marriage around by like just working with you by yourself. And it sounds good. It sounds real good. I believe you can change a marriage or any relationship by one person changing, right? It's not possible for it to stay the same. It's a system. So if one part of the system changes, the whole system changes. However, change does not equal healthy. Change does not equal the improvement that you want. So, yeah, the system changes, but it's not going to get to thrive status. You're not going to have a successful marriage until both of you decide, I want to commit to doing marriage the way God says, which by default means working on me so that I'm not wicked and lazy. So, yeah, so so uh, do the work, right? If any of my students are listening to me, do the work, right? Don't just sit in class. Don't just read books. Don't just watch videos and say, mm, that's good. Mm, that makes sense. Oh, man, yeah, that was show. That was, that's what folk do on Sundays. They go to church on Sundays, and they hear a great word, and they shout all over the church, like shouting John, right? And then on Monday, it's like they never heard of God before. They're in their same fear status. They're in the same, they're worrying about life. They're, they're, they're contemplating my, you know, how my, my, what, what the, what the old folks say, uh, my money is funny and my change is strange. And, you know, you, you're just worrying. But on Sunday you were a mega Christian. What happened? It wasn't in your heart. And that's what I'm finding out. So I got to, I, I, I am working on ways to get through to people to help them understand that just being in the room is not good enough. Just hearing the information is not good enough. You got to change your heart. You got to let the stuff penetrate your heart so that you can be different, so that you can have an adult relationship. Too many folk are married. They're of age, but maturely they're children. And marriage is for adults. Marriage is not for children. So um, I, I, you got to do the work. You can't just listen, right? You can't just be in the room. You got to implement the things that you're learning. There's a, re- you can't say, man, that's good teaching. 
And then when it's time to use what you said was good, you said, no, I ain't going to do that. I'm going to do what I've been doing. What you've been doing has never worked. Ever. It did. Tell me, when did it work? Should some, some, somebody, when did it work? It did. It never worked. And it never will. Why? Because the way you do relationships is dysfunctional. You got to do better. You got to do better. Right? I told you I was a lot on my mind. Uh, now, this is something else that was on my mind, connected to connected to um, marriage and mediocrity, wicked and lazy, right? This connects to that. So, and let me say, this is for my single people. It's going to hurt some married folk, but it's for the single people. The married folk, if this applies to you, you're going to want to shoot yourself. But don't shoot yourself because there's hope. I'm going to come back to you. But for the single folk, you have to understand, if it is your desire to be married, first of all, you need to be working on you to become marriage ready. What does marriage ready mean? That means, number one, committing yourself to personal development so that you can become your best and most authentic self so you are not putting your childhood crap on somebody else because they got their own stuff that they trying to deal with right so uh if you're single looking for someone that's the first you got to be committed to personal development as a matter of fact if you're not committed to personal development you can't choose a suitable partner see this folk this this part this is the part that married folk may not like because they've already made their choice. And as I'm saying what I'm saying, they may be like, doggone it. That's why I'm struggling. It might be. There's hope, but it might be. You got to understand that who you choose as a life partner is crucially important, right? So you need to know your life assignment before you choose a mate. You need to know who you are before you choose a mate and you need to know the plans God has for your life before you choose a mate. Because if you choose a mate who is not suitable for you just because they made you feel good or they look nice or they had money, whatever the reason, but if you choose a mate and they're not a suitable mate, it is going to prevent you from living the life that you want to live. And it could possibly prevent you from living the life God has already ordained for you. When you step outside of his will, and by stepping outside his will, meaning not using what he gave you to choose a wise choice, you are going to suffer. Yeah. It's, 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 it's difficult when you have someone who is committed to growing and being them best self, their best self. And they're married to someone who is committed or at least okay with being the same. Now watch this. Folk will say out of their mouth, no, no, no. I want to grow. I want to be better. I want to heal. I want to mature. But then when you look at their life, 
you see them making the exact same choices that they made the day before. You see them operating in a way that says, um, I'm comfortable where I am. And here's the thing about God. The Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. So you're going to get blessed, right? There's some ble- there are common blessings God has released in the universe for everybody. Like the good things going to happen to you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that your life is going to be crap because, you know, you want to live a mediocre life. To me now, because this is subjective, I guess I, I would think that's crap. But, you know, if, if you like it, that's fine. But there are some blessings that are reserved for those who are not wicked and lazy. There are some blessings that are reserved for the people who want to do and be what God says do and be. There are some blessings that are tailor-made specifically for you, watch this, when you're with a certain person in a certain season. And if you didn't trust God to choose that certain person, that part may be canceled out. That's not hopeless. You, God can still bless you with who you have. I'm just saying there may be greater blessings that you missed because you didn't make a wise choice. Or if you're not married, there could be potential blessings that you are putting in jeopardy. If you are dating someone who you know, y'all shouldn't be together. You just like the orgasms they give you, but outside of that, that brother ain't leading you nowhere. Outside of her fine body, she's not creating anything with you. She's not going to help you build a home. She's not going to comfort you when you're hurting. She's not going to uh, be your best friend, right? She want to go shopping. She want to go on dates. And watch this. She want to go on dates because she want to go on dates, not because she want to spend time with you. I know I'm, ta- I know I'm talking to somebody, right? But my point is, you got to be wise in choosing your mate. So now, for the folk who are married, I already chose my mate. And by the way it's going, I'm thinking I may have chose the wrong person. Well, there's an answer for that too. It's a consolation prize, but it's still a prize. I shouldn't say consolation prize, right? Because you still can get to um, yeah, you still can, you can, you can still have a successful marriage and you can still get to thrive status, but here's the thing. It's probably going to take longer and it's going to, uh, be a lot more bumpy trying to get there. And if you are committed to personal development, the person you choose, if they're not, it's going, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while. Be careful. Be leery. Be be on watch for people who always have an excuse. Like I'm, I'm talking about everything. I, you got an excuse for everything? Like, hey, I thought you was going to the store. I was going to go to the store, but then I thought about, hey, you ain't going to work. I was going to go to work today, but then I thought about, well, that ain't my fault. I was just trying to, like, be leery of folk who always have an excuse. Because, watch this, when you get in a relationship with those people, those are the same people who, when y'all have tension, they're going to be more likely to defend themselves than to hear your complaint. Because they're 
So they're engulfed in pride. And so their eyes are always on themselves. Did you know that's prideful? Let's talk about that. Did you know, number one, pride is the most deadly sin. Pride is the DNA of sin. Pride is a part of every sin. Pride is when you are looking at yourself and can't focus on nothing else. So when you think you're all that, that's pride. But watch this. When you think you're less than all that, when you think you're nothing, that's pride too. Because you are so engulfed in your pain and your trouble and your drama that you think uh, God can't deliver you. So you focus so much on your, your, your pain and your past that God can't move you towards your future because of fear. Because you're afraid that uh, if I do something, I'm going to fail. Well, what the heck? I need to calm down. What are you doing now? <laughs> like, what are you doing with your life now? Nothing. Get off the sideline and get into the game. You're going to get tackled anyway. Ain't no sense in getting tackled on the sidelines. Right? Like, do the work. And I'm talking, now, so now I'm, I, I switched again. So I'm I, outside of marriage. Like, what do you want for your life? Do you understand that you are a human being? Do you understand that the God of the universe created you? Are you saying that all the other folk who I'm saying this to, it's, it's, it's true for them, but for you, you are too broken. You are too afraid. You're too ugly, right? You're too fat. You're too whatever for God to do anything with your life. Is that what you're saying? If you are, I beg you, stop reading the Bible because all you're going to do is frustrate yourself because the Bible is going to tell you what you can do, which is going to counter in your mind what you believe you can't do. And all it's going to do is torture you. Ain't no sense of being on the planet and adding torture to yourself. Just go on and be slothful and wicked and lazy and sit on the sidelines and get tackled. But Disconnect people from your life so they don't have to suffer with you. I think I might be a little fed up today. I didn't know that. Because I'm tired of seeing folk who say they want a great marriage, but then you won't do the work. Like, stop emailing me about things I literally just taught you. Like, no, okay, I'm sorry. I've taught you repeatedly. What are you doing? At what point are you going to stop? At what point are you going to stop blaming what has happened to you as your excuse for sitting on the sideline? You are a human being. God created you in his image. God doesn't create junk. Just because junk has happened to you once you arrive to the planet does not change the assignment that God gave to you. The Bible says the call of God is without repentance, right? He don't take it back. And it also says when he called Jeremiah, I called you while you were before, not while, before you were in your mother's womb, before you got to the planet is when I called you. So if that's true for Jeremiah, it's true for you. So what God has called you to do ain't got nothing to do with what you've experienced since you've been here. Uh, I've done too much bad and I've cursed too much. I've smoked too much. I've done too much drugs. I've been to prison too long. 
I've been to prison, period, right? I've been divorced many times. Um, I used to be a thief. Uh, you know, I was molested. I was abandoned. I was, I was beaten. I was sold. Whatever you, whatever's on the list, I'm sorry. I really am. I know it don't sound like it because, you know, I'm not in a, okay, let me change it. Man, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like, man, you know, this, wow, man, I'm, I'm really sorry that, that, um, you know, your life has been that way. What are you going to do now? Like, get off your tail. Stop talking about what happened. It's in the past. Make a future. And to be honest, I need to pull back because I'm doing what God won't do. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. God's a gentleman. God's not, God is not going to come in, take over your life, and make it great for you. That's, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to make it great. He, he has equipped you and will equip you with more to make it great. But God's not going to make it great for you. Mm -mm. You have to recognize, even if, so think about it this way. Even, well, let me finish this thought. I was saying I'm doing what God doesn't even, God says, you know, I sent the door not. And, and um, you know, I'm fussing at you, telling you to get your life. But really, you know, if, if you don't, the only people that suffer are you and those connected to your life. And if you're okay with that, if you are okay living your life for you, irregardless of who's connected to it, then you go right ahead and on. Go right ahead on. How how my, how my, how my daddy say that? Go right ahead on. There you go right ahead on. <laughs> Trying to channel my dad. But stay away from me. I'm not interested in like I, bro, I I've been through too much to stay connected to people who don't want to grow, who don't want anything. Right? Like if it was my wife. I'd be like, baby, I can't divorce you, but you got to stay over there. Like, I'm going to have to build a whole separate life because you don't want to join. No, I can't do that. I don't know what I would do. I, I can't do that, though. But it would just suck. Like, for my single people, if your mindset, if you, so if you want to be married, but your mindset is not that of, um, I want to find someone to serve, not find someone to serve me, but I want to find someone to serve. Like if that don't come across your screen at all, you probably not ready for marriage. I don't know. I just eliminated probably almost everybody because folk don't think that way. But when you come to marriage, do you understand that you're not your wife? Do you understand that you are not your husband? So you being the kind of wife that you want to be doesn't make sense. You being the kind of husband you want to be doesn't make sense. Now, be the kind of husband and wife God says, but then beyond that, you got to get with your partner to find out how to love them. But if you're committed to mediocrity, if you're committed to, I'll get there when I get there. So you think that uh, time is on your side. Time is not on your side. Trust and believe you are dying 
by the minute. No man knows the day nor the hour. The Bible says you need to do the work while it is day. Because when night comes, no man can work. And it's talking about death. You're going to die one day. I don't want to leave here uh, without impacting people the way God has blessed me to. Like, I don't want to leave here with my assignment unfinished. I don't know when my death date is. No. But I'm trying to help as many people as I can. Turn to God, have healthy relationships, and thrive in life so that we then can produce healthy children, which would then produce a healthier society. That's my goal. But even if you are a a person who is living on purpose and walking in purpose, you choose someone who is not interested in that kind of stuff, you and your purpose going to suffer. Why? Because it's a relationship. Think about this. Marriage is a relationship, right? What that means is um, when, when, when the marriage is not right, it affects almost everything in your life. It affects your work. It affects your play. It affects your sleep. Let the right problems show up in your marriage. It's going to affect whether or not you're going to sleep. Like, my, I just want you to do marriage better. I just want you to, I want you to focus on fixing what's broken in your life because it's hindering you before it's hindering anybody else. What are you afraid of? Who going like, what's going to happen to you if you do what you believe you can't do? Right. What's going to happen if you if you start waking up, waking up at five o'clock in the morning? What's going to happen to you if you start running and working out? Now, that one, you you might (laughs) you might have some physical. Right. But but in the long term. What's 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 going to happen to you if you learn how to communicate? What's going to happen to you if you express everything that's inside? What's going to happen? If you decide to show up in life as a whole and healthy human being, like what's going, what's, what are you afraid of? My challenge to you is to look in the mirror and find out whatever that is, because that thing is preventing you from walking into your destiny. And if you're married, marriage is only part of your destiny, a small part. But there is an assignment that you have specifically that you need to do the work to heal whatever needs to be healed so that you can be a blessing to the people you need to be a blessing to. First, starting with your spouse. I'm going to end with this. It is selfish, wicked, and lazy for you to be in a marriage or any kind of intimate relationship with another human being and you won't work on yourself. Y'all take care.